Hey everyone, welcome back to The Coop with Meyer Hatchery, where we talk all things poultry in hopes of educating chicken keepers and inspiring future flock owners. I'm Amanda, and today we wrap up our three-part series called Meat Shortages, Now What? Save $5 off your next Meyer Hatchery purchase by entering the coupon code THECOOP2022 at checkout. So far in our three-part series, we have been educated on what it's like selling processed poultry and participating in your local farmer's markets, processing and raising your own meat birds, not only for your family, but for your community. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Meyer Hatchery Ambassador Elizabeth with Crossing Creeks Farm. Elizabeth wears many hats and is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to producing pasture-raised, organic-fed, soy-free meats and eggs through regenerative farming practices. Crossing Creeks is a unique operation, not only offering their products direct to the consumer through their online and on-site store, but also hosting guests on their farm with unique farm stays. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us here on the Coop podcast once again. I know we've had the pleasure of having you on once before, but thank you for taking some time out of your busy farm schedule to chat with us again. Thank you so much for having me. I always love being here on the Coop. So for those that may not know who you are, can you give us a little quick bio on who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Elizabeth and I am a wife, farmer, and manager here at Crossing Creeks Farm. We're located in Shelbyville, Tennessee, which is about an hour south-ish of Nashville. And we do regenerative agricultural practices. So our main focus is 100% grass-fed beef, pastured pork, poultry. We do chicken and duck eggs. Uh, we We sell all that through our farm store. And uh, we also host retreat guests through RV sites, campsite. We have horseback riding lessons here. We just opened a private dog park here. So we do multiple of things, but the heart of it is um, our animals and producing high quality meats and eggs. Well, after all that, I don't know if there's anything that you don't do. Um, I'm trying to think what's, what's doing. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. It's also hard to remember everything we do, but yes, it's a lot of fun around here. So it's a lot of farming, a lot of homesteading going on. Did you grow up experiencing this type of lifestyle or did you kind of just grow into it? I did not. Um, I grew up with horses, so I do have an agriculture background. Um, horses were my first love of animal. Of course, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, and outgrew that a little bit. And, uh, but horses really tied it in for me. And my husband ha- actually came out of the horse industry as well. So that's where we had large animal experience. We didn't have any poultry experience. Um, and I did, I did, however, go to college for agriculture business. So I had experienced some different areas of farming through college. But no, overall, I did not know what it was to homestead. Um, I remember back in the day, learning to turn my own butter several, several years ago and thinking, why didn't I learn this growing up? I wish (laughs) I had. So um, a big part of what we do is so that our boys grow up with this experience. There's definitely a lot of skills that we don't see passed on like we used to. Oh, yes, definitely. I find it amazing and inspiring that you raise your animals on non-GMO 
soy-free and corn-free diets. Why did you choose to do this? Yeah, so that was personally, um, we were looking for that kind of uh, meats and eggs for our own health and our own diets. And once we started doing it, we found that there were a lot of people that needed it as well. Um, So it really came down to the health of the animal and then the health of us. And it's, it's really fun to have people come in who haven't been able to experience bacon for a long time, or their kids can't tolerate eggs, um, or they haven't had beef in a decade because they usually have some kind of allergic reaction. And so, um, we know that by taking the soy and the corn out, those people are now free to be able to eat those foods again. And, um, that's a big part of why we do soy and corn free and focus on organic non-GMO feeds. As far as poultry, let's hone in on poultry because that's my bread and butter right there. You currently raise a few types of poultry. You have ranger, rainbow rangers, turkeys, ducks, laying hens. Did you start by raising all these types of poultry or did you start with just one and then dive in from there? Yeah, of course not. We didn't start. <laughs> <laughs> I did not recommend anybody start like that. No, we started with a few um, backyard laying hens, which is the best place to start, I believe, for everyone is start with just some laying hens. Um, and then it just, it grew from there as... We, you know, we, we wanted to eat chicken again, but we wanted it done pasture raised. And at the time that wasn't something that was available to us in our area. So it went from laying hens to meat birds, to laying ducks, a few turkeys, and it's, it's just evolved from there. Tell me a little bit about how you decided on the Rangers for your broilers. Did you give the corners cross a try or did you just know that rangers were going to be the best fit for your setup yeah we absolutely started with cornish cross we did them for two or three years um and for us everyone's different for us we just didn't enjoy raising them um a lot of people get that once they've raised them we just didn't enjoy them my our sons are 12 and seven right now. And they are really our poultry farmers. They've grown up raising birds and they love raising birds and they didn't enjoy them, which told us a lot because they're more tolerant than we are when it comes to raising poultry, I think, um, because they enjoy it so much, but it just, it became something that we just didn't enjoy. We loved the meat. We loved the product, but we didn't enjoy the process. And raising meat bars is very labor intensive. And to add that to it just made it even more intense for us. And so last year, maybe it was the beginning of last year, we just decided to do all of ours as Rainbow Rangers and give them a try. And we loved them. Um, It was more enjoyable. It was more like raising a laying hen, the same person. They had personality, I guess you could say. Um, They're a little hardier, we find. And so they're not nearly as sensitive. We don't have as many losses with them. Um, And so we've just, we've really enjoyed them and they've produced an amazing, amazing meat. So yeah, that's, that's where we've made the switch. And so this is our second year doing all Rainbow Rangers. 
I think that's a good point too. When you have kids helping with the farm project or the homesteading project, if you have them doing something they just absolutely despise, it is going to be a battle from start to finish. So if you can find what works, what they enjoy doing, like you have, you have found a bird that works well, not only to provide meat for your family, but brings your kids joy to where they want to go out and do the chores and raise those birds up. Um, I think you're winning. Yeah, it was definitely worth the switch. We were, we were literally to the point of just scratching meat birds all together. And this was kind of the last, last try. And it was a fit. It was a fit for us and our family and our customers have equally loved it. Uh, I was concerned about making the switch because the product would change just slightly and our customers have loved it even more. And I think, you know, I've raised both the Cornish and the Rangers myself, and um, they do have a different look. It doesn't look quite like your broiler chickens that you purchase at your local grocery store. They don't have, the Rangers do not have that large white breast meat that the Cornish do. But I think in providing a different product to your customers and after they have a taste for that fresh pastured ranger broiler, there's just no going back. The flavor can't be beat and you've educated them on other poultry options. Yeah. And we actually were surprised in how much white meat there still was on those rainbow rangers. They were not like freedom rangers, which I think people are still confused in the two. Um, this isn't a freedom ranger, which is truly hundred percent heritage and a lot of dark meat and a much, much longer grow out. We knew that we couldn't financially do that kind of a grow out, especially doing organic and soy corn free feed. Um, and so we do about a nine to a 10 week grow out with these rainbow rangers and they still develop, they're later to develop their breast, but they still develop a good breast. Um, and they make a beautiful whole chicken. Just our, our, we are sold out right now of chicken breasts and whole chicken. And we just have a couple weeks left before our first harvest and everyone is on the waiting list for, for chicken to come back. So it's really been a great fit. And by far we've been happiest with, with the variety that Meyer has created with them. That's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about the other meat options that you offer as far as pastured poultry. Um, do you also raise ducks for meat or are they also for eggs? They are just for eggs. My oldest started raising ducks about five or six years ago. It was kind of his, his little entrepreneurship business of his own. He was about seven at the time and had saved up his money to buy his first ducklings. And, um, again, they really are the poultry farmers around here. I should have them on the interview. <laughs> Should, maybe next time they'll be our guest. Yeah, they should probably be on the coop. I, although we would really have to censor their, no, <laughs> full, full boy, honest, farmer boy, honesty there. But um, no, they, he started raising ducks for eggs and he will not let anyone eat his ducks. He loves them. Um, but we had did some research on raising ducks for eggs for us. Um we don't necessarily have a great way to get them processed and they do take a little bit more um, in getting all of those pin feathers off, which is why the meat's more expensive. And so we just haven't come to a place where um, we can do that. I'm not saying we won't ever, but we don't. Our, our, our duck eggs are phenomenal and people 
love those. And so we've expanded this year and just recently brought in more ducklings from Meyer and they have, uh, they're thriving. They're doing great. That's awesome. How about your turkeys? Tell us a little bit about turkeys on your farm. Yes. So we do, um, this year, so we've gone back and forth with the, with the turkeys. Um, we had started with broad breasted actually back in the day, we actually did a few of the, the red bourbons. Um, but we went to the broad breasted this last, last year we went to the black Spanish. They're beautiful. Um, but they were, they were a bit of a challenge for us. So this year we have gone back to the broad breasted. We're doing both the bronze and the white. We just did a big mix and they are doing well. They're in the brooder right now. They are probably about two weeks old and they're, they're thriving. They're doing excellent. So we prepare them every year. We, we start with them, um, mid late spring and they'll go all the way through the October and they'll be ready for Thanksgiving turkeys for our customers. You mentioned hoop houses and you pasture raise your poultry. What does it look like raising poultry on your farm? Like how are they raised? Yeah. So we were blessed last year to be able to purchase um, some new coops that are a little bit um, more set for larger scale. Um, Up until then, we've designed, built, bought every type of mobile coop you can think of. Um, We built our own hoop ones for a lot of years. The problems with those were they were based out of wood. And so they were so stinking heavy that nobody could hardly move them, but we need them heavy enough around here because we have a lot of high winds. And so it's, it's nothing for one to get flipped over. Um, so they worked well, those worked well for a couple seasons for us, but we were outgrowing them quickly. They would only hold 50 at a time. So we had to have a lot of those, those types of mobiles. And we really needed to, to downscale our amount of mobiles. So we were able to invest in these. These are, I believe, called the Mobile Chicken House is the brand that we use. And we truly love them. They have automated waters and feeders. They have solar panel on them. um, And they have been phenomenal. We can do uh, close to 150, 200 in each at a time. And we we have two of those. And then we have a different style for the laying hens. That's from the same, same people. Wow. Those are pretty big setups. Do you move them with, you have to have a tractor to move them? No, that's actually what's great about them. We just use our ATVs. Um, you could use a tractor. We use our, um, side-by-sides, what we call our ATVs. Uh, but they are heavy enough that they're, they're not going anywhere, but they're lighter and they're on a, a skid. And so they have, They've done phenomenal. They've really cut out a lot of labor for us. Like I said, raising pasture poultry is very labor intensive. And so it has cut down a lot of time for us, which was huge and totally worth the investment in them to be able to do that. So um, they've been a a real blessing for us. I believe right now we've got two filled with the first batch and there's a just probably about 320 birds all together uh, split between the two coops. So we like to give ours more room. Yeah. We probably could cram them a little bit more 
but we like to give them a little more room. We just find that they do better. We have less losses when we give them a little more room and we move them, we move them twice a day. So they're getting fresh grass and bugs twice a day. Happy chickens. They are. (laughs) Now you said something about regenerative agriculture in your intro. Can you tell us a little bit about what this is and why you've chosen to farm in this direction? Yeah, absolutely. So when we entered into farming and creating um, healthier meats and eggs for ourselves, we really dove into what it was to do regenerative agriculture. I'm not even sure if it had that fancy term at that point in time or not, but um, we focus upon the soil health first. So it's soil, making sure we have a lot of earthworms in there, which are vital to everything. The soil's healthy, the animals are healthy, therefore we are healthy. And so um, for us, it's about, we practice intensive rotational grazing with our beef cattle that are 100% grass fed. So every 24 hours, they're moved to a new slice of grass. And then it's usually about six to eight weeks before they come back to that same slice of grass. So that land has had time for the sun and rain and weather to wash it, sanitize it, dry it out. The parasite load is cut down immensely. We have no need for um, putting in man-made inputs to keep, keep our animals healthy. They're able to do so just on a really great diet. And uh, over time that builds the soil back up that has been lost over years and uh, we're not using any kind of chemical fertilizers or heavy loads on the, on the land. We're just putting in, we're putting in good. That's kind of what we focus on with regenerative. And we focus on working with the wildlife and the nature that's around us, not against it. That's incredible. Oh, well, thank you. Kudos to you. More people need to be thinking this way. We, we sure have enjoyed it. And it's really neat um, to be at the place where we are now that um, we're, we're just every year we're seeing what we've put in is really making a difference in the land. Um, kind of a quick side note, I'm actually about to release a, a new blog post on our website this week, and it's about bird watching on the farm. So we had an RV guest, a husband and wife duo come stay with us a couple weeks ago, and they are avid very, very, uh, excited bird watching enthusiast. And so they had asked while they were here, if they could walk our trails and walk around the farm and find bird sightings. And we said, sure. They pulled out these big old binoculars and hit the trails. And we saw them sometime the next day. And we said, well, you have much luck. And they said, yeah, we, we confirmed, we identified and confirmed 51 different species in just over 24 hours on your farm. Wow. And I didn't know if that was like a big deal or not. Right. I was like, I don't, know. I, don't I don't really have time to watch birds other than the poultry that we're raising. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they said, well, typically when we go to a state park, we're really excited to see about 20 birds in a 24 hour period. And so that was really just a testament to what we have done to work with wildlife. We've obviously just created a wildlife sanctuary here. Um, We have put in over maybe 30 to 40 different, uh, 30 to 40 different sites with birdhouses to draw in the tree swallows. And those are our fly control for our livestock. So it's 
all natural five control there. Um, so anyways, that's just, again, a little bit of a testament of what, what we're doing is making an impact in the, in the, in the world around us. So obviously the type or the way that you farm can get pretty pricey and with the rising costs of everything, have you had to make adjustments to your setup and how you do things? Honestly, no. Um, the way we farm sets us up to be less impacted by things like inflation. So we're not bothered by rising costs of chemical fertilization. Um, we're not really even impacted a whole lot by fuel because we don't have to use tractors to feed animals or things like that. We do use our ATVs a little bit, but for the most part, um, we haven't been horribly impacted. We've started to feel, feel just recently, just a little bit of increase in our feed from our feed supplier. Um, but overall, no, the way we farm is more about uh, our, it's more expensive on our time. So our, our time is always budgeted into the cost of our product. Um, but thankfully we don't have a whole, whole lot of outside input. So, um, it has helped us to be able to maintain our current prices for the most part. We've maybe done a few small things, but nothing major. And so you offer your processed poultry to the outside consumers. How do you do this? Do you have, um, do you ship it? Do you have people come to the farm? What does that look like? Yeah, so we have a farm store on the farm. And so that was part of our vision was for people to be able to come to the farm and buy their food right where it was grown. They have access to us. They can ask us all the questions they want. And we try to give full transparency on how their food is raised. Um, and so that's how we sell most of our products. We do offer some shipping. Um, it's, I mean, it's not cheap to ship frozen meat. However, we do have some people that again, they can't find it in their area. They have either sensitive diets or it's what they have been searching for, uh, or they just really love the flavor of it. And so we do ship to some, but the majority of our, um, sales is through our farm store and it's, it operates just like the grocery store. So you just come in and shop as if you were, you don't have to buy in to it, at least at not this point, um, you don't have to buy into it. You can just come in on our, in our store hours and shop. And we have a lot of other, um, grocery items in there as well. What a great resource to the community, especially since we're seeing so many shortages in local grocery store chains. I know every time I go to the grocery store, I, I take a peek at the meat section and I'm just like, Oh, I feel yeah. for those that don't have the skills and the knowledge to raise their own, own meats. And, you know, for those people, they have the option of reaching out to local farmers like you in order to secure their food for their family and know that it was raised properly. <laughs> That's the resource that we are is if you're unable to do it for yourself, um, or maybe you can do poultry or eggs, but you can't do a um, lot large animal like cattle or pork. We're here to help um, supplement that, uh, for you. And it's been, it's, it's been a good season for us because people have, um, found, 
found us because they're wanting to understand why food shortages are they wanting to um, secure a little bit more of their food by obtaining a relationship with their farmer. And so it, it's been a good season for us. And um, we, we really enjoy, we really try to make our store a place of fellowship and actually connect with our customers, not just come in and be a shopper just be a number like at the grocery store. So it, it's more fun. We get to watch their kids grow up and graduate and all of all those fun things. I know we hear about a lot of the negative things that have happened over the last couple of years. And, you know, if anything positive came out of it, you know, the small farmers, medium-sized farmers, even the large farmers, agriculture in general is coming back into the spotlight because mm-hmm. people are understanding that that's where food comes from. And that is the resource and we need to take care of our farmers and support them. And I just love seeing all of these farmers come into the spotlight and show off all of their hard work and what they have to offer the community so that the community can take advantage and secure that food and learn where their food is coming from. Yes. That's been a, it's been a huge blessing for us in this season. Another thing that I find really neat about your setup is the experience you offer. Not only are you allowing consumers to come to your farm to see how the animals are being raised, but you also host campers at your farm. What does this look like and how does one go about taking advantage of this unique opportunity? Yeah, so we kind of accidentally fell into hosting, but it's been really cool. We've been doing it for um, over two and a half years now and our currently working to expand even more. We're adding four more full hookup RV sites as we speak. I can hear the equipment trucks running out there right now. Um, So it started with RVs and then we have a campsite area. um, And that has two, what we call open air cabins. They're designed like Adirondack cabins. And so there's no electricity down the campsite but the two cabins can sleep a total of 10 people. There's a queen bed, bunk beds, and a cot in each one. They're open air and they're designed uh, with screens that help with airflow. There's an outdoor bathhouse down there. So you have running water, a shower, bath, you know, toilet area. You have a pavilion and cooking. And so that's really been fun to be able to offer people, especially when traveling has been hard to come by to do something local and something different. That camp spot sits right outside our horses field and there's always a lot of wildlife. So you see the horses and turkeys and deer. Um, and then our RV sites are, have been really fun. We've met people from all over the country and that's, it's been really cool. And so that's part of the reason why we're expanding that and offering more sites. Um, but yeah, to do that, you just, you just go right to our website, which is www.crossingcreeks.com and you hit our visit page and you can find out what all we offer. We offer horseback riding lessons for those that are local, but also for our, our guests, they can have a one-time experience with um, our instructor who is amazing. She is here and we have a total of six horses and a pony here. So there's plenty to choose from. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's really tied in beautifully to the farming and as farmers, we can't put all our eggs in one basket. 
<laughs> so to speak. And so it's very much helped us financially to be able to expand our farming because we have a little more extra income that can go into doing more and serving more and producing more. And do the campers also have access to the farm store where they can buy your farm fresh meats? Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think that they have enjoyed the most is that they get to actually cook and eat the food right there on the farm that it was uh, produced on. And it's, it's been really neat to do that and experience that and have people just light up and their kids maybe try something that they haven't tried before because they saw where the egg came from or um, they just got to be a little more involved with, with where their food came from. So, yeah. I think I need a vacation. <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> we got a spot for you. <laughs> I love it. Now, as a woman juggling family, a farm, as well as a business, what is one piece of advice you would give someone contemplating this lifestyle with the urge to raise their own food that may be unsure whether or not they will be able to juggle it all and be successful? Well, you can't juggle it all. So let me just stop you there. <laughs> and the sooner you realize it, the better. I did at one point think I could absolutely do it all um, and felt like I needed to do it all, but I cannot. But once I let that go, that's where this beautiful part comes in of community and you find like-minded people who are doing similar things that you're doing um, to help support your business and support your family. So we have a lot of help that, uh, whether that's local farmers that are doing organically produced vegetables or flowers, um, those come into our store because we can't, we can't, we literally cannot grow and do it all. Um, we have just a beautiful, beautiful community that has been built here and it's continuing to grow. And yeah, you just, you can't do it all. Um, it, it takes a village, huh? It takes a, it truly takes a village. Um, start small. That's always my biggest, biggest advice to people is start small. We didn't get here overnight. Start small, make sure you like something before investing into it. Um, and then expand from there. So, yeah. Such such great advice. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, again, for joining me today. Thank you for having us. This is always one of our favorite places to be. And with that, we thank you for listening to The Coop. Be sure to subscribe. And if you'd be so kind, drop us a review. Have a poultry-related question or topic you'd like us to cover? We want to hear from you. Send us an email to podcast at meyerhatchery.com.